Hello, I'm Brandon Martini, a commercial pilot and flight instructor. And I'm Carson Vasquez, I'm a private pilot. And you're listening to the Aviation Mentors Podcast, sponsored by Stratus Financial. So buckle up, because the Aviation Mentors are taking off. Welcome back, everybody, to another always awesome and always amazing episode of the Aviation Mentors Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. I cannot wait until you guys can see video because we do this weird, crazy thing when we start the podcast that no one has ever seen. I'm going to tell you about it real quick before we get into our topic today. We all have a little Stratus airplanes, and sometimes we don't have them, so we use our hands. And then Mark, our producer today, actually pulled out a drone out of nowhere, and I feel like he had that like prepped and ready to go. And we like take our airplane, and we act like it's taking off for the beginning of our podcast, and I'm doing it again right now just for fun. And it gets us in a good mood every time. So if you ever wonder why we're like chuckling a little bit or something at the beginning, it's because we have this little airplane or an imaginary airplane that we bring across the screen because all three of us are normally in a random location and not together. So that's how we kind of connect at the beginning of our podcast. And it's always fun. So one day, uh, hopefully soon, we have all the prep ready for it. You'll be able to see it happen in uh, live and in person. So it'll be pretty neat. But today we are actually going to discuss something that every pilot uh, encounters or should encounter or should tell people about at the very, very least and check before they fly. And that is a PIREP. A PIREP is a pilot report. And Carson's going to tell us a little bit more about it. So a PIREP is really just a report that's provided by pilots. And it's indicating what actual weather conditions are like that the pilot really just encounters during the flight. So unlike a weather forecast, a PIREP is going to give you real time in the air updates about conditions and can be a whole bunch of different conditions turbulence icing cloud cover visibility the list is just going to go on for every weather condition that that a pilot's going to experience but these reports are super crucial for atc and meteorologists because that just helps everyone provide accurate weather information to other pilots and you're going to experience things that you're going to wish that you knew about and that's when you're going to make a pie rep until the next one so like we said, the pilot reps, super valuable, and it's especially valuable and necessary during these rapidly changing or unexpected weather conditions. So as a pilot, really should just consider giving a pie rep if you encounter weather that differs from the forecast or briefings, or when you think that the information could help another pilot. So that includes reporting clear skies in an area forecasted to have poor weather or vice versa. Absolutely. I think that pie reps are extremely valuable. It'll let you know if somebody already went through what you went through, right? Or if a Boeing 737 on climb out is having uh, light turbulence or moderate turbulence or, or, or even chop. Severe turbulence. <laughs> Severe turbulence or whatever it may be, right? What do you think it's going to feel like in your little Cessna 172? You are going to get rocked massively. So uh, keep that in mind uh, when, when you're flying as well. And we'll, we'll get into different types of pyreps and things like that. But there's a way to give a good pie rep, by the way. Uh, who, where, when, and what is kind of a really easy way to kind of think about it. AOPA actually has a great article on it. So if you just type in AOPA elements of a pie rep, you can actually see all the pie rep elements and, and different things there, which I really, really like. Um, there's also a pie rep form that the FAA puts out. And then you can also input pie reps into different uh, aviation apps as well. But the FAA's pie rep form is it's really old and outdated. It's really difficult to use. There's a lot of aftermarket pirate forms that are a lot easier to use, but it does give some valuable information. It's just, it's in the, the way that some attorney did it, right? So it's not going to be, it's not that valuable. Um, all the elements are there, but it really needs to be beautified and, and made so it's more user-friendly user like 
maybe the one from AOPA or lots of other people have done it too. You can just Google it and, and come up with a few. Um, but the elements of a, a PIREP, you, you need to give the three station identifier, like where's the nearest weather reporting uh, location to your, your phenomenon. You need to give the report type. Um, is it a UA or UUA uh, or uniform, uniform alpha, if you want to get technical. Uh, that means, is it a routine PIREP or is it an urgent PIREP? And the UA used to really kind of screw me up, Carson, because I would think that UA meant urgent, right? Uh, but no, it has to have two use. It has to be extra urgent. So that's how I kind of remember it. It's UU is extra urgent and UA is just, well, it's just routine or normal. And you have to give the location in relation to a VOR or in relation to an airport, et cetera, like that. Uh, you also have to give the time. By the way, no giving the time in your local time. It has to be in UTC or what we all affectionately call Zulu time. So make sure that you know how to calculate your Zulu time. And if you don't, there is an app that I have on my phone that is very awesome. It's called, I think it's called Zulu time. I got to look it up. Actually, I'm going to look it up right now. Carson, do you have this app on your phone? No, I haven't heard of it. It is fantastic. I just uh, do the math in my head and I forget how many hours take away. So six months out of the year, it's correct. And six months, it's not. <laughs> well, I guess that's true. But I, tra I travel so much <laughs> and maybe I should just put all my watches to Zulu time and just live my life on Zulu time because I don't know what time zone I'm in half the time. It'd probably make your life easier considering how much you're flying. I know, especially in my new home state of Florida, the Zulu times are off by three hours now. So <laughs> it's a little interesting. So you have to undo like what a decade of, of flying and yeah, exactly. A decade yeah, of, of remembering of minus seven or minus eight. Exactly. Yeah. So I just looked it up on my phone. It looks like I didn't reinstall it when I, when I got a new iPhone like a couple weeks ago, so I don't have it, but I think it's called Zulu time and it basically shows uh, you can look up Pacific time, Zulu time and some other one. And I bet you anything, you could just look up UTC uh, and save that into your iPhone or into your, whatever you use to check out the time. And I'm sure it'll display it in addition to your, your local time zone. You need to put your altitude. Uh, you need to put, are you on the ground or are you in the air? That's a big one, right? Uh, because you can do both. You can actually report on the ground or in the air. Also, what type of aircraft you are. That's a big one. And your type of aircraft, I mean, a Cessna is real easy. It's C-172. But let's just say you're in like a, a Seminole or, or something like that. Uh, that's PA-44. I'm using that because that's the uh, example on AOPA's website that I was looking at right now. Uh, so credit to AOPA for uh, posting that. Um, but yeah, there's a whole bunch of different ones. And if you don't know the different types of aircraft identifiers, you should learn them. Because, I mean, Boeing is pretty easy. B737. Obviously, we know what that is, right? There's a Boeing 737. But there's a lot of weird different ones that that most people don't don't necessarily know. Uh, like I just looked up one near near Long Beach. And what is a B-38M? I'm not really sure, actually. What's an SL-62? Um, LJ-75. I know that's a Learjet 75. Oh, here's a, here's a real common one that most people should know because they're becoming uh, really popular airplanes. And that's an SF-50, a Sierra Foxtrot 50. And Carson, do you know what a Sierra Foxtrot 50 is? No, but actually I, I do know what a B-38M is. <laughs> 737 Max. Is it? 38 yeah. m is a 737 max yep 737 max see always learning every day but an sf50 is the uh is a cirrus jet sounds like a spitfire right sf it does sound like a spitfire but it's not yeah it's a it's a the cirrus vision jet so it's a neat airplane um it's a dog of an airplane but it's a neat airplane it's safe uh so you should know what these these are because if you don't know what types of airplanes are reporting them then you don't necessarily know 
um, if it's probably going to affect you, if it's in the same category for, for wake turbulence as you. So you want to know those things. Those are really important. So besides the type of aircraft, you need to know what the sky cover is. And sometimes you don't have all of these things, by the way. So if you don't have everything, like don't give it. Obviously, don't like try to make it up or, or figure it out. If you don't know what it is, don't give it because it's supposed to be an exact time or exact conditions that you're experiencing that time when you're reporting this. So you want to put the sky cover, um, cloud height, coverage. Uh, is it clear, few, scattered, broken, overcast, all those types of things, right? You also want to put the weather. This one can be complicated. Flight visibility, like what's your estimated flight visibility? How many miles visibility do you have? Things like that. Uh, precipitation, is it raining? No. Is it misty? Maybe. Those types of things. Um, also, any restrictions to the visibility? Things like that. Uh, temperature, by the way, we're in America, but guess what we have to use? Celsius, like a good pilot. Use Celsius. Uh, we, we have to do that because we have to let all the pilots know that are coming internationally as well. And that way they don't have to make the calculation. For some reason, just we have to. <laughs> I don't understand that either. I think that was just a really good time uh, to tell you how to convert Fahrenheit to Celsius. I, I never knew how to do it. And once I was a student pilot, Brandon, I think it was it was you or maybe even a better CFI that told me how to do it. A better CFI because uh, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So going from Fahrenheit to Celsius, you subtract 30 from the temperature and then divide by two. And that's pretty rough, but still very good Celsius conversion and vice versa. Is it really? Yeah. Minus 30 divided by two. Yep. That's all you have to do. And Celsius to Fahrenheit, multiply by two, add 30. Really? It'll get you within you know, one degree Celsius. I mean, it, I just kind of did it real quick in my head. I mean, it doesn't give you exact, but... Gives you a good idea. Actually, it's about close. I mean, freezing uh, in Fahrenheit was 32 degrees, correct? Yep. Okay, so minus 30, that gives us two. Divide that by two, that gives us one. You're right. It was within one degree of Celsius for freezing. That's pretty good, actually. I like that. Yeah. Look at me teaching you something. Yeah, exactly. And now Mark, who I think uses Celsius, where he's from, and he's nodding his head yes. So now he knows how to convert it to Fahrenheit. He can just do the backwards math on that. Times it by two and add 30. So now we'll come up with it pretty easily. So pretty neat. Also, the next thing you got to do is give wind. This is something that you should not give if you don't have it. Um, direction in degrees, magnetic north, and the speed in knots. Don't give the wind if you don't have it. Uh, that's just being mean to all the other pilots. Like, why are you lying? Don't, don't be lying. Uh, but I will tell you a lot of our, our fancy Garmin units tell us what the wind is at altitude. Uh, but keep in mind, that's not giving you exact wind. That's giving you wind from a reporting station that's supposedly forecasting it up there. So that's not the actual wind either. So if you really want to calculate the wind, you, you really have to do some calculations. So I tell most people, especially students, don't give the wind. So when you're saying don't give the wind or don't give the, the cloud cover if you don't know it, you can report just one portion of the PIREP or of your observation to, um, to ATC, right? You don't have to go through every part of it. Correct. Yeah. I mean, you can just report the things that you have. I mean, you need to have like the report type, the location, the time, the altitude, the aircraft type, but all the weather stuff, just give them what you can. After that, turbulence. Um, you can also check the aim and find out all the different variances of turbulence and what it what it is, like what is chop, what is turbulence, and what are all the variances of that. You can find that in the in the aim at section 7-1-23, by the way. Also, icing. You need to be able to report icing if you have icing, rhyme, or clear ice, or 
or mixed ice, things like that. And by the way, you can check all the versions of icing in uh, in the AIM 7-1-21 as well. So you can check that out. Outside of that, you can put my favorite thing, and that is remarks. I've read a pie rep one time in Southern California. I mean, because that's where I read pie reps most of the time when, when I used to live there. I put remarks in there, or I saw a remark in there one time, and it said, pilot uh, reported breaking headset on roof of airplane, and he was flying a Cessna 172. So the turbulence he reported was severe, obviously. Uh, guess what? I didn't do that day. I definitely did not fly, and I did not take my student flying that day. We looked at that, and we were laughing. And honestly, I think I screenshotted it, and I've got it somewhere. I don't know where it's at, but it was hilarious. I mean, bad for the guy who broke his headset, but uh, but pretty funny when you read it. And I've seen other pyreps like that, too, like hit my head on the ceiling. That one's bad. I mean, I normally tell people they should probably have their seatbelt on a little tighter um, or be wearing it in the first place. Uh, I know there's not a, another pilot putting on that wear your seatbelt sign. Um, most people ignore it anyways until a, until a flight attendant yells at you. But yeah, you should probably wear the seatbelt the entire time that you're flying. You know, I, it's a real bummer that you you mentioned that one because I would pick this topic so I could tell that one. I should have warned you. Um, I was working in the flight school. I was, I was at the front desk at that time and I saw that pyrep. And it was, it was cracking me up, but you know, I figured you probably would tell that one. So I had another one prepared that I saw in the remarks. It said, it's bad. Don't do it. No way. That's hilarious. I like that. It's bad. Don't do it. That's hilarious. Yeah. It was urgent turbulence for a 172. <laughs> that would be. Aside from everything that can go into a pyrep. You know, hold on, Carson, you know, what would be an awesome part of a pyrep. I just needed to use a soundboard. Sorry. That was fun. <laughs> as long as you're happy, Brandon. As long as I'm happy. Yeah. I mean, of course. I mean, I could have done something really terrible and did this one, but I decided against it. <laughs> I think that would be a bad one to have on a pie wrap. What do you think? That'd be terrible, wouldn't it? I, you know, I think that would be a, be a different pilot reporting, not the one making that sound. I agree. That would be terrible. <laughs> that would be terrible. Uh, so sometimes, sometimes we got to laugh because, uh, People are so afraid of, of uh, air travel and it's so safe. So I think that, I, I mean, we added this in here uh, or Mark added this in here. I didn't, he found it, added it, and now I'm loving using it. Uh, but uh, he added it in here. And I think sometimes you just have to make light of, of like how stressful people think flying is because of how safe it really is. So I like to throw in the uh, explosion sounds every once in a while now. It's going to be fun, right? <laughs> yeah, makes him happy. Um, so we'll let him do it. So, Brandon, aside from everything that goes into the pyrep observation, who should we give it to? I, I know we're saying we should be giving it to ATC, and I know you mentioned that we can also report it through different softwares like ForeFlight, but are we just supposed to tell ATC, hey, and start giving the pyrep, or what's the proper procedure for it? The proper way is you should be transferred to a FSS, a flight service station, and you can find them on your aeronautical charts uh, all over the place. So you should ask ATC for a few minutes just to be offline and to contact uh, FSS. And then you should just report it. I mean, you should just call and just start talking. That's what you should do. You shouldn't say Riverside uh, Radio, November 12345 with a PIREP. You should say that and then give your entire PIREP. And if they ask you to repeat something, then you can repeat something. But you don't want to bog up the airways. So that's what you should do. And then they'll repeat it back to you and confirm it. And then you'll confirm it. And then you'll just go back to, uh, to your regular ATC station. So what you should do, like the way that you should do that is you should say like LA Center, 
Cessna November 12345 would like uh, to temporarily go off frequency uh, to give a pie rep to Riverside Radio. And there's a chance that they will say, you can give me the pie rep here or something along those lines. I don't know what the terminology ATC is supposed to say, but they will. Sometimes they'll just say, go ahead and give me the pie rep. Also, if you're experiencing severe turbulence or something, you can say LA Center, Cessna November 12345, pie rep, severe turbulence. That's all you have to do. Just tell them that. And by the way, they will put one in there. Um, I had a uh, experience one time in uh, in the Arrow that I think I've talked about on this on this podcast uh, when I got into what I felt was severe icing. I like flew into a cloud, and I was on an IFR flight plan. By the way, uh, I flew into a cloud and I had severe icing, and I pretty much had to declare an emergency, uh, turn around and declare an emergency. It was really really bad. Um, so when I when I did that, I just reported severe icing. And that was it. And they knew just to help me in whatever way I needed, but I was flying that airplane. I mean, what are the three words we use, Carson? Aviate, navigate, communicate. Exactly. So what I did was aviate and I navigated first off and I threw in the communication real quick after I was done with those first two things, because they were going to look at me like, why are you turning around inside of a cloud? You're on an IFR flight plan. Don't be an idiot. But I had to aviate. I had to navigate. And then I communicated very quickly. And I just put severe icing because I didn't want another pilot to fly into this big black cloud that came out of nowhere. So you got to be careful with that type of stuff. You do. Uh, I've had a pretty similar experience. I had low level wind shear um, at Riverside when I was coming into in land and I was with my CFI. So I wasn't as concerned. We had a lot of faith in each other. But I just said little of a wind shear and my tail number and they took it said you know cleared land yeah and i've done that too i've reported low level wind shear on short final i've also and i i'll just say i'll just say tower low level wind shear and they'll know that it's me because i'm on short final right so sometimes less is more especially if you're in a critical phase of flight or don't even say it then. Say it as soon as you're safely on the ground. Or if you have to go around, say it on the go around, something like that, right? Never be afraid of going around. Go watch the video. That's a great one. And there's a little song you can sing about going around, and it's fantastic. Maybe one day we'll play it for everybody here, but uh, I feel like we'll lose all of our audience if we play it. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that song. Maddie loves that song. Uh, we actually were just talking about it the other day because I said, we, we need to go around these cars over here. And she started singing, you can always go around. Yeah, loved it. FYI, Mark, I need that on my soundboard, please. Yes, that would be a fantastic. I'm happy to do an even better version. I'm, I'm, I was aware of what I was giving you, Brandon. Don't worry. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Normally, I would give that pie rep like on the ground. Uh, but what I did do one time is uh, I was on short final at McCarran Airport in Vegas. And uh, and I gave a, uh, a pie rep for low-level wind shear um, on short final because I was experiencing it. And I was in an Aerostar at the time. I, I'm pretty sure I was an Aerostar. Uh, so it's not tiny airplane, but it's not giant. And uh, after I made that, I saw it on uh, on ForeFlight. I saw it on AviationWeather.gov. And also, I heard uh, the controllers telling the 737s and all the big airplanes that there was uh, low-level wind shear, which is good. That's why we do it. We want to uh, tell other pilots. And if we do use low-level wind shear, this is our example we're using right now, uh, you want to tell other pilots as quickly as possible because that can be a dangerous situation. If uh, somebody comes in too slow, they can stall on short final. And that is a very dangerous situation being that close to the ground. It is good idea that you mentioned critical phases of flight. So I'll just give you the answer to this one. When should you not give a pirate? 
in critical phase of flight, like we just talked about right now with the on short final. I mean, if you're on super short final, like you're right over the almost over the ground. No, don't give a pie rep then. If you are a, I don't know, if you're a, a five thousand feet away, maybe that would be okay. Um, but just use your common sense on that. If you have light chop, <laughs> a lot of people don't uh, don't remember who's listening on this because it's an older thing. But there used to be these weird things that Delta Delta pilots. It was they were like known for Delta pilots, and they would say uh, they would log in or. I say log in, but like transfer frequencies, and they would just always say uh, Delta one two three four five light chop, and like that was like a funny saying that uh, that people were were talking about, and it's not so much like a meme anymore, but it was for a long time. There was also a weird side note, real quick. There was also a really weird thing that people would go on guard, which is one two one point five, and meow. Literally, they go meow, and. I was, what the heck is going on? And I heard it several times and I'm glad that, uh, that went away. I mean, just such immature student. I mean, those were immature student pilots, obviously. If those were airline pilots, that would be absolutely ridiculous. But I mean, it was bad. Hey Mark, could we also get Brandon's meow on the soundboard? I'd appreciate that. He's laughing right now. Well, yeah, the FAA, um, they actually say word for word, personnel must not solicit pyreps when the pilot indicates that they're in hazardous weather conditions or during a critical phase of flight. So the FAA has said, aviate, navigate, communicate. Don't do it. It can wait. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's not going to uh, uh, change anything for you. <laughs> so it's only going to change something for somebody else. And you don't have... Uh to do anything for anybody else. You just need to do what you need to do, right? So get through your your aviation, get through your navigation, and then you can get to your communication, uh, like always. So the FAA says it perfectly. I mean, that's the first time I'd ever say that. I love the way the FAA put something. I don't think I've ever heard those words from a pilot, but I agree. That, that was really good. Uh, just don't do it. If, if it's going to hurt you, don't do it. But pyreps are essential to being a pilot. They're super important part of your safety in flight is reading the pie reps and receiving them from other pilots. And like we always say, keeping our aviation community safe and leaving pie reps and giving pie reps for other pilots. That is a huge part of helping to keep your fellow pilots and your aviation community safe. And having a pie rep is really just saying something that you wish you had known before you got to where you are. That was very well said, Carson, and couldn't agree more with you also. That's also something you've probably never heard. Uh, but uh, <laughs> so, well, thanks everyone for listening today. I hope you uh, gained some information on uh, pie reps. I know I really enjoyed this one actually um, uh, talking about pie reps and uh, it's, it's an integral part of, uh, of being a, a good neighbor to your fellow pilots in the sky. But as always, if you want to reach out to us, please reach out to us via email, Brandon at aviationmentors.com or Carson at aviationmentors.com. Also, don't forget to hit follow, like, uh, share, all of those fun things on uh, whatever streaming platform you're listening to us on. We really, really, really appreciate it. Uh, it's a huge part of helping us grow the podcast and grow our aviation community. Uh, we also uh, did some uh, taste testing of a new product uh, that we are going to be launching pretty soon to be determined on the date. So I will uh, mention that later on. Uh, but it was really, really good. And I cannot wait to talk about it some more. So uh, thanks so much for joining us today, everyone. And as a wrap up for the day, remember, we're here to guide you in your aviation journey. So fly safe and enjoy the ride.